Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 663. Science Faction, a very special Polynesian science faction. That's right. We're going to be joined by Maui. That's right. The Polynesian god himself, Maui, will be joining us after just a little bit. And let me just say, you're welcome. (laughs) Dwayne the Rock Johnson, everybody. (laughs) And if you want to be the Dwayne the Rock Johnson of your local friend group, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon for, for extra science articles every single week. And uh, check out uh, Awful Neutral. Uh, we are much funnier than this podcast because we are not bound by having to teach you something. You walk, you can walk away with fucking nothing except laughter and good times with us. We are Disagree. shackled by the truth. We are shackled by a Nova-esque uh, mission to educate you. So we work as best we can within the confines of that. And speaking of the person who is shackled by the truth of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian and archaeologist, Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. David, how are you doing this evening? Doing great, doing great. I thought you had just forgotten to introduce me, which has happened before, so I just rolled right into the plug. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) uh, By the way, I did get your message. This is a very special science fiction. And so you sent me a text like, hey... um, Because usually I will send you the show notes, which will have the two main articles we're discussing so that you can read up on them, which you never do, but you can. I always always look at the titles. I don't click your fucking links, all right? But I always look at the title, and if it's interesting, I'll I'll read the rest of your paragraph, but at least get the title down. One of these days you're going to click on that virus I keep sending. (laughs) Uh, But but part of the, you texted me, you texted me. And you said that uh, this is a very special thing. It involves uh, a, another certain podcast, Science Celebrity. Yes. And uh, and that I should keep the references, any sort of humor um, about uh, about the genitalia to a minimum, which I, I personally found offensive because how, how do you fucking view me? I'm uh, an adult. Do you think yeah. I'm just some person going around making jokes about tallywhackers? You know, like, or about yeah. like... Uh, about yeah. Todgers, about about like I'm. I, that, that's not how I live my life, Bobby. I'm not in the. I'm not a kindergartner. I'm not in grade school. I don't giggle every time somebody gets kicked in the nuts. All right. Yes, you do. <laughs> I do. It's my thing. <laughs> I will. I, I will defend that to the death. That is. That is like highbrow humor. I don't care. Like what. What. Like. Like they should be teaching that to clowns in French clown school. Like the 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 nut shot. The the jackass nut shot. <laughs> Now, those of you guys who are regular listeners know that every week we take two science articles from the cutting edge, stuff that had just been published that particular week, and we do a dive into them and explore them, uh, tell a few jokes about them, and that way you can listen and be relatively current and pretty well informed on science news that's currently being published. And we do four more of those for our Patreon episode. But we are doing something completely different this week. This week is actually going to be instead of recently published scientific news, a complete breakdown of all of the evidence we have of a Polynesian trip to South America 
approximately 800 years ago. Now, this might seem like it's kind of out of the blue because we've talked about the articles and science that supports this before, but this actually stemmed from, I was listening to a, a podcast I love and listen to a bunch called Skeptoid, done by Brian Dunning. And when listening to it, he made a reference in some point to the idea of Polynesians making it to South America and how it was a myth or something like that. And uh, it was in reference to something to a much bigger idea. It wasn't the main focus of what he was trying to say, but I sent him a, an email kind of saying, hey, let me outline to you what has gone on. Maybe you might not be aware. There's a big study published in 2020, really was a nail in the coffin type thing and blah, 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 blah. And he kind of responded with, well, respectfully, eat my ass. As per my last email, <laughs> eat my ass, Mr. Timothy. No, he, he responded with a very cordial email that just kind of said, look, it looks like the, there's data saying that there is no genetic signature of Amerindians in Polynesians, and there's some that does, and most of it says there isn't. And I was like, well, I'm picturing well, him saying it in a very deep baritone voice. Mr. Timothy, what we have not found... And again, I don't blame him one second. This is not his area field of expertise. This is not something he obsesses over like crazy like I do. He doesn't read every single one of those genetic studies and blah, 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 blah. I, I don't blame him one second. And I'm sure there is there is a bunch. I've actually run across it myself of them going, look, we checked out these five natives. This was the big study. We checked out five natives from Easter Island. We didn't find anything. They later found it in other natives that they did check out. There is stuff to support it. Since 2020, there hasn't been anything to really refute what came out then we talked about it then we're going to talk about it obviously again today i wanted to put this episode together because i realized listen brian dudding is a researcher he's a scientific researcher he's really good at this stuff and if he is looking and saying oh the water is muddled by all these old studies the blah 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 well then how many other people are looking at that data and don't have the convincing evidence that we now know from the archaeological from the genetic evidence that we know pretty definitively in the archaeological community as pretty airtight evidence that the Polynesians did make it to South America with the possible exception of one very small likelihood we'll talk about, about maybe the South Americans made it to part of Polynesia instead, but they certainly met at some point. So I thought, why not outline all of that evidence in one single place? Then it can be linked. And then anytime somebody goes, hey, you know, I heard that the Polynesians made it to South America. Is that true or not? Somebody can just link to this episode, be like, skip the first seven minutes where they're talking about themselves, go right to the good stuff and you can learn all about the all the evidence that shows absolutely definitively that Polynesians made it to South America 800 or so years ago. Uh, that's offensive. You can't tell them to skip past that. Bobby, I plug my podcast on that part. You're telling them to skip. <laughs> what am I what am I doing here, Bobby? You're <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> So anyway, I think this is important not only for people like Brian Dunning, who I hope listens to this and then hears it and goes, oh, well, I, th I think he made a, makes a good point. Uh, but I hope it's also interesting to other people because, frankly, I do think this is one of the most interesting stories that we have covered. And one of the most interesting stories in history, archaeology and genetics, because I think the occupation of the Americas in and of itself, you know, that group of Beringians coming down and occupying North and South America. I think that's one of the most interesting stories ever told in the history of humanity. And I think one of the other interesting, most interesting stories told in the history of humanity is Polynesians coming out of this one place in Taiwan, the Lapita culture, and then it's spreading out and dominating half of the world in these huge cross-ocean voyages that are just absolutely amazing and hard to comprehend, doing it in, in 
canoes and dugout uh, outrigger canoes and stuff. And the fact that these two stories converge 800 years ago someplace in northern South, South America is absolutely insane to me. It's, it's just the fact that I get to be alive to see these discoveries being made and the reports of the genetic evidence of it. I'm just so grateful that I, like, I made it this I made it to 2020 when that paper was published because fuck that was so goddamn interesting and so I thought this is an incredibly interesting story it needs to be told it deserves its own episode and here we are you said you hope Brian Dunning was listening but I have to imagine if he's ever like uh, I gave this guy's a shot I'm trying to promote if he ever gave us a shot in the past yeah. Um, he probably was spitting out his tea or coffee that he was having like your grandmother if like Bubba the Love Sponge was on uh-huh. <laughs> like, we have a different style of podcast than him, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't mean he doesn't like funny stuff on his own. He might just not, you know, he doesn't make the funny jokes when he's doing his podcast. Kind of like you with your uh, Dungeons and Dragons thing. You come here, you make funny jokes, then you go and just do something horrible to the internet. You piece of shit. I make funnier jokes with mine. That's what happens. All right, let's move right on to Tell Me a Story. Tell me a science story. You're like children's stories, only with less sex. And more science! All right, guys, so this is a tale of how one culture, which started as a unique pottery type, the Lapita culture, on the island of Taiwan and off the Chinese coast, came to dominate the furthest reaches of the earth, including the western coasts of South America absolutely amazing story. I'm only going to touch on some of the highlights here. I can't even get into how amazingly interesting the Polynesians are. In my opinion, one of the most interesting cultures to ever grace the face of the earth. Isn't it not just South America? Didn't they touch base in Los Angeles too? Aren't they Los Angelinos as well? The original? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I thought we talked there. They, they had, uh, there was some, some talk of... Uh, of a, a possible Polynesian contact with a, a Western West Coast tribe. Well, no. So there was some ideas uh, a while back about them possibly influencing the development of Chumash uh, plank boats, because we're going to talk about similarities in boats. There is a lot of good reason to believe that they did not influence Chumash plank boats, specifically because we have a good evolution of Chumash plank boats, sewn plank boats throughout the time period. We can kind of see its evolution. That's more of likely a convergent evolution thing. But but we'll get to all of that. That's actually something we're going to talk about. So this story starts as long as about 5,000 years ago, when a group of Taiwanese natives began radiating out of their their home locale of Taiwan to places like the northern Philippine Islands, Malaysia, and Indonesia, then out to places like Melanesia. And these places, some of these were already occupied by other people. So they're they're following routes that have already been uh, traversed before, and they're bringing with them and developing there a type of pottery culture called the Lapita culture, which is known for these little sawtooth designs that kind of became a staple of this group. They do other interesting things at this time. They go to places like New Guinea and they kind of only occupy the outside because, again, there's a much more ancient occupation that's in the interior part of those islands. There is some interbreeding with that Australasian group, but not always a whole ton. And they tend to stay a little bit separate. And and some of those... Like a ton of forbidden love yes. like scenarios that cropped up throughout history, like Romeo and Juliet type uh, type of romance. That, that'll happen whenever you have two uh, c- cultures next to each other, even yeah. if they're warring, even if their parents uh, uh, condemn it. 
And these people are great seafarers. Now, not the Polynesians themselves, but they're precursors. They belong to a larger group called the Australonesian group. And a different part of the Australonesian group, you know, heads the other direction as great seafarers and ends up occupying Madagascar, of all places, that far out. And then you have this group that kind of settles in and starts moving a, bit, a little bit east from that location in that kind of northern Philippine Islands area and starts moving out. And in that move, with that Lapita pottery, they end up using the outrigger canoe and the crab claw sail to basically start journeying to further and further places. They end up colonizing the Western Pacific Islands like Vanuatu, Fiji, and Tonga by about 3,200 years ago. Samoa comes quickly thereafter at maybe 3,000 years ago. And what's interesting is this culture, this clearly explorational seafaring culture with some new seafaring technologies and stuff and their Lapita pottery, they kind of settle in around that time, around 3,000 years years ago they settle for this what they now call the long pause in polynesian culture where they don't really head out too far small islands nearby are colonized little things in western polynesia are colonized again they do seem to have the same suite of outrigger canoes and crab claw sails and all this kind of stuff uh they also kind of get a more solidified culture that's based around the chicken the pig the dog so that's american southern culture minus the dog no, no, they got a lot of dogs out there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of hunting, hunting hounds. And they stay there. Again, this long pause, it's it's actually quite long. It's about one and a half millennia long because they stay there from about 1,000 BC or 3,000 years ago. And during that time, by the way, they actually lose the ability to make that Lapita pottery that set them apart from other cultures. So they're no longer making that Lapita pottery. And a new wave of exploration began mm, about 1400 years ago or so. So we're talking about 600 AD around that. And this is the part where I think the Polynesians become far and away one of the most interesting cultures to have ever existed on the face of the earth because that's when they start spreading out they make it to the cook islands they make it to french polynesian and the marquesas they make it to hawaii maybe 1100 years ago or so not that long ago like a thousand years ago it's not it's not that long easter island around a thousand years ago and new zealand only about 750 years ago which for the size of that New Zealand is, is actually very, very recent. It was pretty much the last big landmass that was colonized. And by the way, it's not colonized where you might think it would be from Western Polynesia that's close to it. It's actually colonized more from Eastern Polynesia, from islands out there. And that's really interesting because it's kind of, it's indicating that there's some group that is pushing exploration. They keep heading east, they head down to there, they later get the Catham Islands or Chatham Islands. Very, very interesting dispersal of peoples that are moving across vast, vast quantities of open ocean. We're talking thousands, thousands of miles with tiny of land in between and they're going on these large outrigger canoes with as much as 40 people chickens dogs pigs taro which is a root crop uh old world yams the cards all of both this. the cards and the root crop <laughs> the cards yeah the tarot cards you said tarot oh tarot so. <laughs> i see yes i, I got you Yes, they did. That's how they found the islands they, they just, <laughs> it says to sail a little bit west 
All right. Well, the magic eight ball's broken. Break out the break out the tarot cards. Uh, by the way, the fact that they found Hawaii, I mean, do we know how many failed expeditions there are? This is what I think about all the time, buddy. Like, honestly, I think about this when it comes with the Polynesian settlement. When you think of starting from any given island, and we can kind of trace because of genetic relatedness now which island each one was colonized from through like a genetic bottleneck. But when you think about it and you think of, you know, a 360 degree map of where you can go starting from one point, even if you were to eliminate everything west of you, which we know they didn't do because again they colonized New Zealand from from the east. If, even if you did that and said, okay, they're only heading west, they're only hitting here in this direction. So if you think of the needle in the haystack of hitting that fucking island, how many boats had to miss? How it's many? It's like a secret level in a video yes. game. It's like yes. there's no way people. But if know you don't that. hit the secret level, forty people die. You and your whole family die if you don't hit the secret level, right? How many <laughs> of these giant? Double hold canoes carrying 40 fucking people just ended up going off into the fucking nothingness of the ocean, getting overturned by storms, just never hitting anything. How many? It's amazing. This is why it's such an interesting thing. It's it, it's almost mysterious in terms of how this could have possibly happened and imagining the number of individual boats it took to go out and miss something in order to find a place like Hawaii or even further on when you're talking about places like Easter Island or Rapa Nui, which are thousand, like over a thousand miles away from the place they were colonized, 2,000 plus miles away from the nearest landmass in like South America or whatever. They're just in the middle of nowhere by the way could you imagine like you know there was a time when transatlantic sales you know that was supposed to be a horrible trip to take you know on a on a boat uh just imagine being on an outrigger canoe like yeah i'm the guy who ferries people because i'm i'm literally the only person who knows the way to get from here to hawaii so i just i I ferry people back and forth in these month-long hell on sea and we later found out that there was travel back and forth and there was an exchange of people and plants and, and stuff like that. So these islands weren't just colonized once and isolated. We they were People were able to commute to some extent back. It's just an absolutely amazing story. Like I said, one of the greatest stories of human history. And we know that, at least since 2020, we know that from the southern Marquesas Islands, they then made it to South America. And that is kind of the goal of what we're going to talk about here tonight. So, uh, sitting here in 2023, we now have pretty airtight evidence that they did, those Eastern Polynesians did make it to South America. And let's talk about what that evidence is. Did they settle any island off the off the East Coast or the West Coast of uh, South America? Was anything settled there? Well, there is an idea that one island called Mocha Island off of southern Chile might have some impacts from Polynesians. We're going to talk about that, but there is no solid evidence of that. No. So let's talk about the evidence of Polynesians reaching South America, and we're going to kind of escalate our level of surety. So we're not going to start with our best evidence. I'm going to, I'm going to let you know we're keeping that till the end. We're going to just kind of escalate. So, so just fast forward like 10 minutes if you want to get to the good stuff. Bobby's going to rattle on some crap. We're going to build a portfolio of evidence and finish with what I consider nails in the coffin because we got at least two of them. You could say that way. I'm saying you're building on sand and you're putting all your heavy (laughs) stuff at the top. Uh, So the first bit of evidence and the one that's been known since European explorers of Polynesia, since Europeans first explored Polynesia, is the dispersal of the sweet potato. So the sweet potato, like all modern regular potatoes, come from South America. 
But before Captain Cook made his explorations through Polynesia, the sweet potato was already widely dispersed through the area, having become a staple food throughout much of Polynesia and archaeological sites in Polynesian settlements backed this up with sweet potato remains found in Polynesian sites having C-14 dates dating back as far as about a thousand years ago. Obviously pre-contact with Columbus, but also pre-contact with, you know, Captain Cook, who was supposedly the first person coming through there. He got there and there was already sweet potatoes. So how do you have a South American crop in Polynesia before European contact if the Polynesians didn't make it there? You said sweet potato remains, I thought. Is this like a, a sweet potato? Like these are some sweet potato copper lights. That have formed over time. And this is, we think, the femur of a sweet potato. (laughs) (laughs) These are fossilized sweet potatoes. So that has always been and like one of the first and also the a very, very strong bit of evidence for pre-contact meetings between Polynesian and Polynesians and Amerindians. It was actually not quite a silver bullet in terms of like direct contact because sweet potato is a crop. It's a tuber crop. It's like a root crop. So it actually can travel quite well. And root cultivars like potatoes and stuff. It's, it's a non-zero chance of spreading across even a really big ocean. It's not a great chance that it's suddenly going to wash up like a, a little you know raft of land and, and plants and stuff raft across the Pacific and land someplace and and happen to you know take root or something like it's not impossible for especially root cultivars to do that it's not super likely but it's it's not impossible if we're talking the Mediterranean maybe some small bitch body of water <laughs> like that yeah bitch-ass Mediterranean. (laughs) And to be fair, we do know that something like this did happen, at least with, like, the monkey dispersal from Africa to South America. We know that happened, you know, after monkeys evolved. The the Atlantic was an ocean at that point. It wasn't as big as it was now, but it was big enough. And at some point, a raft of monkeys seemingly sailed across there. So, like, things like that have happened. It's not impossible, especially for a crop, but it's, it's pretty unlikely, but it's possible. However, what linguists later discovered that make it seem very unlikely that this was just some no contact, this thing came floating on a log type thing, is that Polynesians have more than just a South American crop. They also have a word for that crop. And that word is the same, or at least similar, to the South American Quechua word for the sweet potato. The Quechua word is kumar, and the Polynesian word is kumara. What are the chances that thing just washed up on, like, what What are the chances? The first one washed up and it was etched in, in a, somehow in like a Esperanto. So everybody in a knew. language, <laughs> yes, that the Polynesians didn't speak. Or here's the, here's the only way I'll buy that that was just like convergent uh, linguistic evolution is if we find some uncontacted tribe someplace that has never seen people. We go to like the Andaman Islands or something. They, they've never spoken a language, never tasted a sweet potato. We give them a sweet potato. They bite it and they go, Kumar. Like, and then I'm like, yeah. okay, that's just a product of eating a sweet potato. Like, if yeah. you have no basis. What if I told you, Bobby, that that's just what it looks like? You know, just how a mom is uh, supposedly the same in a bunch of languages? Sure, uh, ma, The sweet yeah. potato is no different. Uh, we just, English is, on a long enough timeline, all languages converged into the Tumar, or Fumar, yes. I forever. <laughs> 
Kumar. Yeah, I don't know. We're still pretty far away. Fucking far away with sweet potato. I still yeah. think we got a ways. Our Scandinavian, our northern latitude uh, climate, we're, we're just acclimating yeah. slowly, but we'll get mm. there eventually it'll, through a slang or a pigeon or a patois. <laughs> we'll get to uh... Now, there are other examples of crops that went from the Americas to Polynesia, like the uh, American bottle gourd. But I will say Cocaine. that is the least... That that is the least convincing to me because the bottle gourd floats very easily. That's part of what it's used for and stuff. So, okay, fine. I'll buy that the bottle gourd floated across. Nobody nobody handed it to him. That's fine. It is still somewhat evidence for contact, but not nearly as good. There's also other linguistic evidence, including a language isolate in South America of the Mapuche people, which shows some similarities and possibly direct loan words from Polynesian languages. Now, this is a language isolate. It's not like any of the languages directly around it. And it has some words that it shares one for one with Polynesian languages, including Toki, which is the name for an ads in both languages. If, if you guys haven't seen an ads before, it's like a, a curved axe blade that you use perpendicular to the, the direction of the handle. So if you think of like a, think of in your mind, like a pickaxe. Now think of the non-pick part, like the flatter part, you know? Mm-hmm. Now yeah. on some... On some pickaxes, those those things uh, are aligned vertically. On others, and Pulaski's and stuff, they're they're aligned horizontally, and they got a little curve to them. And they're used; they're really good for kind of carving out wood, especially carving out wood boats and stuff. That word is the same is the same for the Mapuche, who have a bunch of other stuff that are kind of coinciding with Polynesians, and it's the same in many Polynesian languages. So already we've got some linguistic things. Again, Toki, that's a common enough type combination of syllables if somebody were to argue that in isolation was just coincidence okay okay I could, again hand somebody an ads who's never used one before if they just say toki you got my backing on that but eh, that seems like pretty strong evidence by itself as well the mapuche by the way also developed a sewn plank canoe around the exact same time we think Polynesian contact happened. So the only other place in the Americas where this type of sewn plank canoe was developed was the Channel Islands in California. Now, I do not believe that the Channel Islanders got that from Polynesians. And that's because in the archaeological record of the Channel Islands, we actually have kind of the evolution of sewn plank canoes. What's interesting and a little different about the Mapuche example is They have sewn plank canoes, and they have a word for it, which actually kind of coincides with the Polynesian word for like a carved wooden boat. It's maize. (laughs) God damn it. They also have like a separate word for a boat, like the type that they and other Amerindians around them make. So they have one that's like boat and one that's like Polynesian boat, and the Polynesian boat word is like the same as the Polynesian word. That's pretty coincidental. Again, this is not 100%, but linguistically, that's pretty strong evidence. Mazotros, I believe. <laughs> or maize usted. If you're, it's if it's professional, if like you're, if you're using maize and like talking to a boss or a grandparent or something. Now let's talk about the two silver bullets that I think absolutely put this to rest. The first was discovered in 2007 in a site called. LRNL1. So there's lots of, you know, reported evidence of pre-Columbian chickens in America, but this site in Chile is like 
undisputed. All the other stuff, you could be like, oh, well, the dates mostly work to be pre-Columbian, but they might on the outer edges be, you know, in the in 1500 or something. This one site in Chile is really undisputable. Now, obviously, we've talked before about chickens. They, you know, from Southeast Asia, they were domesticated over there. And in this site in El Arenal, Chile, they found 50 chicken bones belonging to at least five individual birds. One dude who won a wing-eating contest in ancient (laughs) South America. (laughs) It was one of those where you got it for free because it was like super (laughs) spicy. It's like you can keep them down. We also found remains of a t-shirt that was apparently the gift that he had. (laughs) I I came to South America from Polynesia (laughs) and all I got was this lousy shirt. This will get plenty of laughs on the boat. (laughs) oh man i left the shirt turn around guys now these bones came from layers that had been that were associated with pottery that had thermoluminescent states between 700 and 1390 ad which is huge but it isn't direct data you could be like oh the pottery was mixed in or the chicken bones were mixed in or something i by the way went so deep as looking at the actual stratigraphic levels that came out of the excavation books of this project and obviously i can read stratigraphic levels in excavation books and this is all very solidly in there were not inclusions there were not ways for these bones to get in other layers and stuff. But even if there were, it doesn't matter because they actually did C14 on the chicken bones themselves. Multiple chicken bones. This is just one of them. Multiple of the 50 chicken bones. To see if one of them was a plant. Like from, no, no, this one's from a KFC. Nice try. (laughs) And those came back at 1321 to 1407, well, obviously well before European contact. Specifically, it came back at 622 years before present, plus or minus 35, meaning your your Z-score, your standard deviation is 35 years. So in order to get to, you know, oh, this was post-Columbian, you would be so many sigmas past. It's just not possible. And to me, that is the utter nail in the coffin. Now, there were some genetic studies that were done on these chickens that seemed to link them to other Polynesian chickens in South America as opposed to European chickens. Those those like genetic studies were later disputed. To me, those genetic studies are meaningless. It doesn't fucking matter. If you have chickens on the West Coast of South America from 1400, it could have only come from the Polynesians. Like it had to come from somewhere. By the way, they even went so far as to do isotope analysis on these chicken bones to make sure they weren't fed a maritime diet. Because as we've talked about before, maritime diets contain old carbon and they can fuck up the results and make things that are newer seem older. They even did that kind of special analysis and proved that they were not maritime raised and they're not raised on maritime food. And therefore those dates are solid. They're indisputed. Like there is no question on those. And those dates well into the pre-Columbian times show that there was contact or at least chickens came over at that point. The one caveat that I saw a few people bring up, which actually is actually somewhat smart, is like, well, what about those Vikings in northern Canada about 1000 AD? They settled there for a while. What if they had chickens and what if they migrated down? One, we would see chicken bones throughout the record, which we don't do, you know, all the way from North America to South America, (laughs) which we don't. Johnny chicken bone seed. Yeah, there's actually a researcher who looked into it and they found out that those Vikings coming out of Iceland and Greenland at that point actually hadn't really incorporated chickens into their diet up until about like 12 or 1300 after that occupation. So they didn't bring chickens with them when they came to uh, the America. So so really interesting little loophole that got closed on that one. Again, the disputing of this seems to be like, well, those chicken bones are those chicken bones weren't genetically linked to the pollen. It doesn't matter if you have chickens in the 1300s in South America. Where, how else did they get there? 
But again, I'm going to hit you with the other nail in the coffin because all of that stuff that I just told you, which I think is actually fairly definitive on itself, could all be thrown out and still not account for the 2014 discovery of Amerindian DNA in the Polynesian natives of Rapa Nui or Easter Island. That was the first report. Another person came back and said, oh, I tested five natives and I didn't find any. Okay, you're right, but we found it in other natives. And then we did a broader study in 2020 that came out that is undisputed. It shows the genetic signal of the of the people most closely related to the Xenu from Colombia that are in four Polynesian islands in eastern Polynesia. Palisar, the South Marquesas, Mangareva, and Rapa Nui. And actually the Rapa Nui, the Easter Island admixture actually happened later around 1380 or something and so we actually think that the earlier edition which happened in mm, 1150 to 1200 or something that happened from natives that ended up settling in the marquesas the southern marquesas islands and they looks like they went to south america they came back they settled in those genes spread throughout the population and then eventually they made their way to rapa nui which apparently was occupied originally which was like 1200 by Polynesians who didn't yet have any Amerindian DNA, and then that Amerindian DNA was then introduced in 1380. We know where the DNA came from. We know where, when it reached Rapa Nui. We know when it reached the other islands. There is no other explanation. I even looked at you know anybody who any geneticists who were saying, oh, this isn't solid definitive proof, and I found one paper written right after the release that said maybe it was a genetic link, a signature that was just genetic drift. So you know, kind of like that weird Australasian signal we saw in natives of South America that we talked about from the, the published study in 2015. That particular thing showed an ancient admixture of 10,000 plus years. It was then later found to just be kind of genetic drift from a common ancestor. That is not 800 years ago, which is relatively recent in that time span. That could not account for that and especially wouldn't account for the fact that it's only Eastern Polynesians. If it came from a shared genetic ancestry, we'd seen it through all Polynesia the entire way, not just the four islands that are right fucking next to the continent. By right next to it, I mean 2,000 miles away. But really, really interesting. And there is no real debate about this genetic signature. I looked through the literature. There is nobody who denies this. The entire thing seems to have kind of materialized in the last 10 years. So a lot of the literature is still keeping up with it. But we know that this contact happened. Now, there is one caveat to we know this contact happened. We know it happened. We know from the linguistics. We know from the genetics. We know from the chicken. We know from the sweet potato. We know from all of this stuff. It is possible that a group of Amerindians made it to Southern Marquesas Islands and then they encountered the Polynesians there. That is a possibility. But it's an incredibly unlikely one. Let me tell you why. They would have then have to make it back to South America to spread those chicken bones and the chickens and the chicken bones there. And they did not, as far as we know, have that type of ocean going technology. In fact, there was only one group on that side of the world who did. And it was the Polynesians who could make it to these tiny little specks of dirt in the middle of the ocean. They could certainly make it to a continent. Anecdotally, there's also European explorers who, from the early 1500s, who talk about hearing chickens in the forest and asking the natives, what's that? And they went, oh, that came from people who came from the West on floating houses, which is how a Polynesian ship would appear to the Amerindian natives at that time. All of that to say that what likely happened is a group of Polynesians sailed to the, to the northern part of South America, to the West Coast, Multiple couples formed at that point, 
And there was a discreet interbreeding event between the two groups. Chickens were left. Sweet potatoes and bottle gourds were, aco- were acquired. The Polynesians went back to the Southern Marquesas with either South American individuals or children of the mixed union, such their genetic material. And those genes then spread through Eastern Polynesia. And as far as we can tell from the science available, there's no doubt about that. So suck it, Brian Tunning. That's right. You can eat Bobby's ass. Bobby won't be eating your ass, as you implied in your very rude email. I don't believe he said that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Double check. So I believe that's one of the most amazing stories of human exploration ever told, culminating in that group making it all the way to South America. Again, you know, related to the same group that made it all the way to Madagascar on the other side, occupied all these super remote areas. Damien, do you think I have made my case for the scientific certainty with which we say the Polynesians made it to South America? Uh, yes. And uh, as I stated in my email earlier, this is your how do you like them apples moment. By the way, I did want to ask you. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, we found out on the twenty three and Me that I am I am a mestizo, like like That's way right. more so than you or even I or even the leader of my tribe would have acknowledged just months ago. Um, uh, I am I bleed this land. Uh, yes, something like four percent, right? <laughs> you piece of shit! How dare you? How dare you? I am not Elizabeth Warning. How dare you? <laughs> But because you said this, can I also assume that I am also, uh, as a person of this land as well, uh, part Polynesian? Then we're not a significant Polynesian, but I could, I could Elizabeth Warren and say I'm Polynesian. I'm one percent no. Polynesian. No, because we don't have uh, really as much evidence. There is a little bit, but there's not as much evidence of the Polynesian DNA staying in South America as much as the South American DNA coming out to Polynesia. So probably not, even if that did happen, which we can't prove. I don't think the human genetic isopoint for South American to North Americans would spread out that way. I don't think you would. No, wouldn't qualify. Uh, I'm going to get Brian Dunning's take on this. Can I buy a ruling? Uh, Oh, dear. Uh, I think this is a really important story, one of the most interesting stories in human history, and it's only unfurled in the last few years. I am so excited that we get to live in a world where we get to discover this stuff thousands of years after it happens, and we get to report on it. So, thank you so much, and come on back next week for Science Faction 664. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. Right.